Coming up on This Week in Games, EA announces a new game dev platform, lots of exciting earning reports, and Blizzard gets booed at their own convention. Coming up This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and welcome to This Week in Games. Now, we had an interesting week, mainly one major story, a couple of smaller stories, and that major story is Blizzard manages to piss off everyone at their own convention. So Blizzard gets booed and kind of ridiculed when announcing a new Diablo game, and the drama didn't start or stop there. So at BlizzCon, Blizzard announced diablo immortal to i guess unexpected backlash diablo is a beloved kind of pc franchise it's about dungeon crawling has a super strong gothic theme it's a very mature game it's a game that's kind of thought of as having pretty deep uh i guess like skill and combat mechanics where you like try to get different armors and skill sets to have a bunch of synergies to fight like ever growing stronger monsters and so on and so on what was presented was a very watered down diablo experience and clearly it's a game for mobile and it was a mobile money grab that basically tricks fans of the franchise and spending hundreds of dollars to accomplish what they would normally do in any diablo game for free after buying it and the fun didn't stop there as Blizzard continued to drop the ball at BlizzCon. So during a Q&A session after the Diablo Immortal announcement, fans asked if there was a plan to release a PC version or release a game with more advanced mechanics, which Blizzard execs replied, do you guys not own cell phones? And then chuckled to themselves. <laughs> That's a great way to answer your fans. Another fan asked, quote, is this an out-of-season April Fool's joke? And that actually got more applause than anything related to the announcement of the game. Um, most of the announcement was actually booed by fans there, which is pretty crazy. Remember, BlizzCon is an event where fans spend $200 per ticket, and the tickets sell out in a matter of minutes. And frankly, they're presenting like utter free-to-play mobile crap to absolutely the wrong crowd, because this is the most hardcore of hardcore Blizzard fans who want to see some kind of complicated, in-depth, you know, Diablo 4. The Diablo subreddit was pretty angry. My favorite quote is, Blizzard used to cancel games like StarCraft, Ghosts, and Titan for not meeting Blizzard quality, and now they release this. And don't worry, things get even worse. So Blizzard was then accused of removing dislikes on the cinematic and gameplay trailers on YouTube. Some fans to say the dislikes were up to 300,000 and then were sent back down to 200 or even 100,000. Right now, they've climbed back up to 370,000. Other fans accused Blizzard of removing videos and re-uploading them to reset the like-to-dislike ratio. And it keeps getting worse, so... At BlizzCon, there's like hundreds and hundreds of gameplay areas where you can play new games. And normally when a new game is announced, that game just has like lines, like super, super long lines could test the gameplay of the game. <laughs> there are pictures coming out of BlizzCon for this year, and there's just seas of these mobile games with headsets of these Diablo Immortal gameplay stations, and no one even playing them. Just like hundreds of empty 
you know, chairs. <laughs> no one's waiting in line. No one's curious about playing the game. And it keeps getting worse. So Blizzard announced the game was co-produced by a Chinese giant Netties. And then <laughs> smart fans noticed that the Diablo Immortal gameplay trailer looks strikingly or exactly like a Netties game called Endless of God, but with Diablo 3 art. So Blizzard says it's both untrue that Diablo Immortal is a reskin of Endless of God and that Diablo Immortal just uses cut and pasted art from Diablo 3. Now I've looked at both trailers, I've looked every, at all the evidence, and frankly it's pretty hard to argue against what the fans are claiming. I mean there's just straight up animation, cinematics, gameplay, everything straight from Endless of God. I mean the controls, the graphics, the camera, how the game systems work, all from Endless God. And the art just looks like Diablo 3 cutout art and paste in there. So, and the truth is the game wasn't made for a Western audience. It was made for a Chinese audience. That's where Netties comes in. I mean, the game is really just a money grab for Blizzard. And so they needed Netties. They needed to get into the Chinese market with Diablo. They knew that they made a free-to-play game. Chinese consumers would play it, especially on mobile Chinese consumers aren't really notoriously known for buying Diablo games, as far as I know. I don't think Diablo is, you know, a major hit in China like other games, like WoW or something. So this was just a money grab by Blizzard. Now, people are defending and attacking Blizzard in different ways, but let's let's remind people <laughs> Blizzard isn't exactly, you know, the wholesome box game company that we all remember from the late 90s and early 2000s. So Blizzard's since then introduced premium currencies into WoW, which has a subscription model. They've had a real money auction house in Diablo 3. They made Hearthstone, which is a prime example of free-to-play money printing. And uh, frankly, Hearthstone's just, you know, box card games, but you don't actually get cards, so there's no reason that the cards actually cost $5, you know, for a booster box, because you're not actually getting a physical card from those booster box. And finally, they lazily copied loot boxes from the game that they copied the overall gameplay from, and that's Overwatch copying Team Fortress 2. And Overwatch, unlike Team Fortress 2, cost $40 to buy and still had loot boxes, you know. Like everything in the country, this event pretty much has developed two sides of the aisle and both sides like accuse and attack the other side why blindly defending their own side so i will say please don't defend blizzard because this is just straight up money grab there's nothing in this gameplay announcement that says anything about integrity this is blizzard straight up just trying to get money and also please don't rally online against blizzard and start boycotts and blah 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 Okay, if you want to hurt Blizzard, stop buying BlizzCon tickets, stop playing Blizzard games, and don't support them with your money. I mean, another thing to keep in mind, the people responsible for making the Blizzard games you love and remember don't work at Blizzard anymore. You know, you're confusing a publicly traded corporation whose only job is to, and fiduciary responsibility is to make money for their shareholders with talented individuals that used to work at Blizzard and no longer work at Blizzard. You know, like... You guys are confusing this. Like, anyone who worked in Diablo 1 and Diablo 2 very likely doesn't work at Blizzard anymore, you know? The people who made Diablo 2 probably wouldn't have had anything to do with Diablo Immortal. Blizzard is owned by Activision, and they're just a company that only wants to make money. That's why the Activision CEO 
uh, every now and then is like the number two or three highest paid CEO in the world. It's not because he's like making awesome games. It's because all he cares about is the bottom line. So stop supporting Blizzard. Go find some smaller games. You know, go play Path of Exile. <sighs> Blizzard. That was rough. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine paying $200 off the news that Blizzard was making a new Diablo game and you wanted to be their front center for when they announced it? And you just get this mobile crap. Oh, I feel bad for everyone. I feel bad for you guys who are there. But let's move on. Too much negative. All right. EA announces Project Atlas, a cloud game dev platform. So first, we got to address the elephant room. Why the hell is everyone naming everything Project? Project Stream, Project X Cloud, now Project Atlas. But really, this is pretty amazing. So effectively, it's a game development platform that has cloud computational tools integrated into it. So for example, if the player is playing a game and enters a very physics-heavy portion of the game, his PC can't handle it, the engine can offload a lot of that work to the cloud and still render it on his game engine. So think of this as an intermediary between like the full cloud gaming experience that Project Stream or Project X Cloud offer and what is right now existing in the traditional heavy-duty PC gaming space where you have a $3,000 rig and you still only run the game at 70% graphics. So I actually like this as kind of like an adjacent option to cloud gaming if you don't have the bandwidth to do full cloud gaming or you still like the idea of locally processing your games on your own PC. But right now this is just a blog post, so I can't wait to see what happens you know, down the line, EA. So next up, live streaming platform Mixer. So live streaming platform Mixer is a kind of Twitch competitor, but they got really creative and uh, kind of really smart with how they empower viewers with their new, like what they call season two feature. So what's going on? There's three components. You have a soft currency, a hard currency, and kind of these actions. So the action is skills. Skills range from you sharing a gift to other people in the audience to launching celebratory fireworks on the stream. And when a certain number of viewers use a certain number of skills on a channel, that channel and streamer gets a payout from Mixer. So viewers use skills on channels, okay, on their favorite streamer's channel. So sparks, sparks are earned by watching streams. Viewers earn these sparks and viewers spend these sparks on skills. So sparks are your soft currency. They're what is given to you by Mixer for kind of interacting with the platform. Skills are how you choose how to spend them and reward your favorite streamers. And then you have embers. Embers are a virtual hard currency that can be bought and used on high-value skills. And when these high-value skills are used, they directly financially support the streamers they're used on. So there's your hard currency. And I think this is a really crafty system and a great way of kind of gamifying the streaming market. And I'm curious to see where Mixer goes from here. I mean, at worst, Twitch has to up their game. At best, we have a new alternative to Twitch, you know, so whatever. Next up, Rainbow Six undergoes a makeover to satisfy Chinese regulators. So Ubisoft desperately wants some of that Chinese free-to-play money, and it's willing to sacrifice their artistic vision to get it. So the list of edits to Rainbow Six include all skulls. These are skulls from icons or images on walls or anything with a skull. Things like blood splatters on the wall, gone. Slot machines, gone. Anything related to gambling, gone. Except for free-to-play gambling crap that all these free-to-play games have. Um, and anything related to sex or anything sexual in general. 
Why have sex, blood spatter, and skulls? You can't have that in your game about the Tier 1 DevGru <laughs> Special Operations Force. Come on. Come on. Skulls just get in the way of all the killing. Get them out of there. Now, a lot of fans see this as a lazy way to support a single game across multiple like countries and kind of as Ubisoft giving in the censorship. So effectively, Ubisoft is applying the strictest censorship policies from all the countries in a general summation list and then making a single game that they're going to support out of that. But in reality, what it does is it kind of devalues and dumbs down the game for audience that have very little censorship on video games, which is basically most Western audiences. So you're kind of just compromising your game for a single global release and basically to enter the Chinese market where I don't imagine a game called Rainbow Six to do very well in a Chinese market anyways. So <sighs> pretty crappy Ubisoft, but you really don't surprise me anyways. So whatever, it's kind of par for what Ubisoft does. Next up, this is pretty funny. And it's kind of win-win for everyone. So I'm going to count it as a positive story because I've been pretty negative so far. So TI Media donates $1.3 million to charity after leaking Take-Two documents. So TI Media leaked uh, Rockstar documents about the single-player campaign and the yet-to-be-disclosed online campaign version of RDR2. Quote from TI Media, On February 6th, we published an article that was sourced from a confidential corporate document we should have known this information was confidential. Well, it said confidential. Come on, guys. And should not have published it. Blah, blah, blah. We apologize to Take-Two. We have also agreed to donate over a million dollars to charities chosen by Take-Two. And kind of ironically, Take-Two chose three charities that have to do with supporting Native Americans. Things like the Native American College Fund and so on and so on. So this, this is good for everyone in my book. I mean... TI Media gets a slap on the wrist. Rockstar stands firm on leaked documents. And the money doesn't go to Rockstar. It goes to the supporting Native Americans, which uh, RDR2 kind of, I guess, makes Native Americans look pretty good in the game anyway. So it's, it's just win-win for everyone. Good job. And finally, Blizzard launches a standalone Overwatch viewer. So in preparations for the Overwatch World Cup, Blizzard releases kind of the super viewer to give all the powers to the viewer to control whatever they're seeing. So effectively, this is just a modified version of what the commentators and the stream crew use. But you can fly around, you can move around, you can look at certain players, and it's really hard to see who the audience for this is. So if you think about watching regular sports, right? Now, right now, you can watch NCAA football, and you can change the Skycram or the broadcaster cam or... You can change to all these different cameras. But in reality, 99% of people are going to watch the regular service, the dynamic cam with the commentary and the UI overlays, and they show you where the first down is and whatever, whatever. So if that's the case, who's really this, like, Overwatch standalone viewer? I don't know. You know, maybe the very niche aspiring esports gamer who, you know, wants to look at the nuances of team placements and Overwatch maps. Maybe them. But uh, why not? I mean, let's see what happens. Maybe this will become a thing. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. I could see this being pretty interesting, though, if Blizzard actually gave other streamers the right to restream Blizzard using this tool and kind of do their own commentary. That could be interesting. So Blizzard kind of like is like, hey, run your own commentary on, live on the 
you know, Overwatch League. Pretty interesting, but they probably won't do it, but still pretty interesting. All right, let's round out this week with some business news. So Dapper Labs, the developers of CryptoKitties, raises a number of $15 million. So this round of fundraising led by Venrock brings Dapper Labs' total fundraising to about $27 million, $27, $28 million, somewhere in there. The company is looking to expand outside of Canada, and that includes a U.S. studio led by former Disney and Unity executives. So currently Dapper Labs has grown from 10 to 50 people this year and is looking to keep growing to 100 people by the end of the year. CryptoKitties, however, and kind of rightfully so, has fallen out of place, and I don't expect it to kind of come back anytime soon, but I do expect richer D-app games as are like D-op, no, decentralized apps to come in the following year. So these games are pretty weird. They're made, and I covered this in a previous episode, but these are games made off blockchain and cryptocurrency contracts technology. So so like the game mechanics are done through the contracts, and then the blockchain is done to kind of like authenticate that everyone has done what they said they've done. So it's a pretty interesting concept. I hope to see some more players come in here, and I hope to see Dapper Labs come up with something pretty interesting. All right, to round out this week, guys, we have the most exciting thing ever that you guys can't wait, and that's earnings reports. I know, I know. Earnings reports are boring, but they do give you an insight into the game industry that can only be said with raw numbers. So let's dive into this. So Sony Q2 earnings. Sony earned a silly amount of money, money, like money, 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 money. They just put everyone in the shame, except for maybe Nintendo. So revenue at Sony this quarter, $4.87 billion. That's up 27% year over year. And profits, $802 million, up 65% year over year. Sony says this was driven by major title releases and topping that list being Spider-Man. So I think that was, that was Insomniac, right? So yeah. Good job, Insomniac, making Sony that money. All right, next up, Ubisoft. Ubisoft is like that friend that keeps telling the same joke over and over and over again and then starts telling that joke in different time periods because it's just ran out of places to tell the joke. All right, sales at Ubisoft were about $870 million and net bookings were about $297 million. And this was all from their scummy player recurring investment. So... What does player recurring investment mean, you ask? Well, it's basically Ubisoft suit talk for (laughs) DLC, but they didn't think DLC or in-app purchases were authentic enough, so they came up with an even scummier name for it. Leave it up to Ubisoft to do that. All right, next up, EAQ2 earnings. So EA, about this time, should change its name to Madden and FIFA and then other crap nobody actually buys. So <laughs> revenue at EA was $1.28 billion. Profits, $255 million. Both of those are up year over year, but EA is forecasting a pretty lackluster Christmas quarter. And this is pretty much likely due to Battlefield Five not being competitive with RDR2 and Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Oof. Sorry, EA. But don't worry. I mean, the NFL is not going anywhere, and soccer is not going anywhere, so you're good. All right, Nintendo H1. So the next three companies, Japanese companies, do their earnings in halves. So this is half one of the year, the first six months of the fiscal year. So Nintendo H1, the company that keeps on 
giving the finger to anyone with analysts in the title because they don't give a fuck. All right, <laughs> net sales at Nintendo are at $3.5 billion, up 4% year-over-year. Profits, $572 million, up 25% year-over-year, and they just keep on going. You know, that's Nintendo. And frankly, it's going to be a pretty smashing holiday because they're releasing the new Smash Brothers, and now I have to buy a Switch because, I mean, that's what Nintendo does. They release... They release the goods that they know will get people like me to spend money on them. All right, Capcom H1. And at Capcom, Honey Monsters keeps paying off. So net sales are up 28% year-over-year, $385 million. Profits are at $60 million, up 96% year-over-year. So that's a pretty good ratio from net sales and profits, probably because most of the profits come from in-app purchases and Monster Hunter. Sadly, though... Capcom uh, has nothing coming down the pipeline. They have a Street Fighter anniversary collection of a Mega Man collection or something. And God, you guys need to finish Marvel vs. Capcom 4. I know you just started, but Jesus, get going on it because <laughs> you guys have nothing. All right, Sega. Sega's everyone's, uh, they're like everyone's forgotten childhood friend that can't seem to get things together and is always doing terrible. <laughs> so. Sega's consolidated net sales, whatever the fuck that means, is $1.5 billion, down 12% year-over-year. And their profits are $60 million, down 62% year-over-year. What the hell? That's ridiculous. $1.5 billion in net sales, but a profit of $60 million? Jesus, Sega. All right, let's move on. Last one. All right, Zynga, Q3, Q3 earnings. Zynga, the prime example of the company that follows. Revenue is at $233 million, up 4% year-over-year. Net income at $10 million, down 44% year-over-year. And then Zynga announced a Harry Potter Match 3 game and a Game of Thrones slot machine. So, exactly what I think of when I think of Westeros, slot machines. Good job, Zynga. All right. I'm Eric McConnell. That's it for this week in games. Join me next week. We'll cover some more game industry news. Until then, I'll see you guys. Bye.